welcome to Mind Your Peas podcast, a purposeful leader's guide. We believe in all the peas, people, purpose, planet, philanthropy, even pizza and Prosecco. And today's guest is Josh Littlejohn, MBE, co-founder of Social Bite, a brilliant social enterprise that I've been following for a long time. It's helped thousands and thousands of people dealing with homelessness to get into employment um, and some other amazing things. Josh, it's an honour to have you with us. How are you doing? Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me. I'm very well. Good. T- tell us a little bit about how Social Bite is right now um, and uh, and what's happening for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, th- things are going well, really, with the charity. I think when the, the lockdown first came about, you know, just over a year ago, it was very much a, a, cr- a crisis for us, really, you know, as it was for a lot of organisations. Um, Social Bite are underpinned by, like, our social enterprise model which we have five like city centre cafes uh, we have a big central production kitchen facility in Livingston where normally we're making lots of like corporate catering platters and things for businesses so pretty much overnight about a year ago all of that income kind of uh, went away uh, so we, you know we we're kind of thinking what on earth are we going to do and obviously thinking about do we have to make people redundant and, and so on and because such a large proportion of our workforce are people that have come from backgrounds of homelessness, then the consequences of redundancy are potentially, you know, really terrible. Um, but thankfully, we sort of hatched a bit of a plan to sort of repurpose that infrastructure over the duration of the pandemic to do a big free food provision program, um, and you know, re- reopen the cafes to give out free food and repurpose the kitchen to make it. Um, and yeah, we've just been really generously supported in that from the Scottish public and from lots of businesses. Um, and, and that's enabled us to kind of trade our way through the whole thing and produce um, hundreds of thousands of these food packs and hopefully as a charity come out the other side in a strong position to, to continue our work. And and so, Josh, you had to repurpose like a lot of organisations have as a result of the pandemic. But where, where did you start with that? Was it was it get the team together on a Zoom and say, what the hell are we going to do with these spaces? What you know, how did that all come about? Uh, yeah, well, there was a few of us, I think, meeting in the office and we were thinking, OK, we've got sort of two options, really. One kind of batten down the hatches and just try and turn the taps off as much as we can in terms of cost and look at things like redundancies and so on. Um, but as it developed in the early stages of, of the pandemic, it became like clear that food poverty was going to be a particular issue uh, for homeless people. Uh, obviously, there's no, there would be no longer the same kind of facilities they might have previously accessed free food. So we knew that was going to be a real live issue for the community that we serve, but also it became apparent that there was going to be families struggling and kids not accessing free school meals and all these kind of things. So, you know, we kind of felt um, we had a responsibility really to, to think about that issue and how we could respond to it. Um, so it was almost instant. It took us a day or two and we just decided to kind of go for it and, um, run into the fire almost rather than trying to shut everything down and, and yeah we put out a video on Facebook uh, we got in touch with the Scottish government uh, through Nicola Sturgeon's office and I asked if they could support which they did um, and then yeah we were totally blown away by the level of generosity in terms of the public donating and, and, and so on and so forth so yeah within a few days and a few weeks we were kind of up, up and running on this kind of new plan um, and that's we're still doing it to this day so it's been uh, over a year now, we've been delivering food in place of opening the way we traditionally would have. 
And Josh, you make that sound so simple, right? But I know the challenges in repurposing your business and, and what that must have meant for, for you and the team. But, you know, the pandemic's one thing. But before that, what, what would you say your biggest challenge has been? Um, I mean, the, to be honest, since we, we started Social Bite in 2012, so it's been about nine years. And yeah, it's just been like a series of ever-evolving challenges, really. Um, you know, initially it was kind of survival was a big challenge for many, many years. Uh, you know, it was it was stressful many weeks, whether we'd be able to meet payroll or meet rent and so on in the early days. So that was kind of a big challenge. And then as we grew and developed and, uh, you know, it had been really well supported in doing so, then whole new range of challenges come through that. I suppose from the social enterprise perspective, it's always been a recurring challenge to try and balance our aspirations to like deliver this social impact with trying to operate as commercially as possible and exist in kind of a trading environment where we're around the corner from Pret-a-Manger and Starbucks and trying to compete um, from a commercial perspective whilst inviting homeless people into the cafes and some of the challenging dynamics that brings or employing people that have come from this background who have all kinds of challenges and barriers to employment and that brings its own challenges so trying to sort of balance the commercial with the social it has always been a big challenge that we wrestle with yeah it's not not an easy one but um i suppose a, a lot of fun in in trying to make it all happen yeah so am i right in saying the initial plan was you were going to donate the profits to support um people with a homeless background and then it evolved into something bigger. Is that the way it worked? Um, to be honest, initially it didn't really have anything to do with homelessness particularly. Um, we wanted to set up like a social enterprise kind of structure. Um, the background to it was I had uh, left university and I'd set up, set up an events company and I was organizing different events, which were just to try and make a profit and organizing different events. and. Um, myself and Social Bites co-founder Alice, we decided to open up this cafe. And at the time I had read this book by a guy called Professor Muhammad Yunus, um, who described an idea that he called a social business, where he talked about how in his native Bangladesh, um, he'd set up over 50 different companies. And some of them had gone on to become like really big billion dollar kind of businesses, but he'd never owned a single share in any one of them. Um, so every time he was setting up a business, it was always uh, with a view to try and tackle some social challenge in Bangladesh. So I thought, wow, this is a really exciting idea. And it really kind of chimed with me and some of my aspirations. So we decided to set up this cafe in line with this kind of ethos of trying to solve some social challenges. But originally homelessness wasn't the focus. And yet we wanted to try and make a profit. And then we selected three different charities to try and donate the profits to. Um, but what happened was we met this young guy who was 19 years old. His name was Pete and he was homeless and he was selling the big issue magazine on the street corner just outside the front door of the cafe. Uh, and after a couple of weeks of us being open, Pete sort of wandered in one day and he kind of plucked up the courage and he asked us if he could have a job. And we sort of thought, why not? It seemed quite a nice thing to do. So we gave him a job in the kitchen and he basically just worked really hard and we saw the employment was quite transformative for him. Um, and we thought, well, maybe try it again. 
uh, and we asked Pete if he knew anybody else that was homeless. And he suggested his brother, Joe, who was also selling the big issue. So he said, okay, and we gave Joe a job and he also worked hard. And um, then we said, you know, anybody else guys? And they said, well, there's a guy down the street called John who might be quite good. So we gave John a job. And then at this point, I think they realized we were kind of soft touches and they could maybe get some jobs for some of their other friends. And they suggested another guy called Colin. So that's how it all got started really almost by accident. We started to offer these jobs in the cafe to people from a situation of homelessness. Um, and we just got more immersed in the issue and it kind of went from there. And Josh, you've when you look, I suppose when you look back on on that, um, when you started, it, it was probably a big big gamble. Is it right to say, in terms of you know not having run a business before per se, and you having the social impact as your core purpose, not not about making money necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the biggest risk? Was it starting your own business was the biggest risk or, or you know, what, what's that been? Yeah, I mean, prior to, as I said, set up an events company. So I, I had been used to setting up my own business for the last few years and we're taking risks about around creating these events and so on and so forth. But yeah, like it was, we were extraordinarily naive when we decided to open up the cafe and thought oh, it can't be that hard. You know, it's just making sandwiches and coffees. But yeah, like operating a food business, even a little cafe is such a very, very difficult business um, to run. And you really need to know what you're doing in terms of your food margins and your label margins. And, you know, there's all this kind of stuff. So we had to really um, learn on our feet and just take away anything to do with homelessness. It's it's an extraordinarily labor intensive uh, kind of business to run. So um yeah it was definitely a big risk we, I don't think we particularly perceived it to be so much at the time it was just pure naivety and like I had, had managed to sell one of the events that I created as part of my events business for 40,000 pounds and so I put all of that 40,000 pounds into opening this cafe on Rose Street and um yeah we didn't really view it as, as a risk at the time but certainly yeah in hindsight it was really we were very naive and like we're really lucky so many lucky um lucky breaks and little miracles along the way to kind of keep us from not folding and going bust and uh yeah i think there's been some kind of higher power looking out for us to keep us on the track and keep us going because i think in all reality we probably shouldn't have it shouldn't have worked out um given some of the the risks and the lack of knowledge we had about it all the time it's amazing really you know, when I think about Social Bite, when I first heard about it, you know, a good few years ago and, and watching that journey and, and being part of the big sleep out, which was just awful, right? Because yeah. it was so cold and, uh-huh. you know, and, and all the time just kept thinking with my colleagues, you know, this is just one night, you know, so it was yeah. keeping all that in perspective. And mm-hmm. it was such an amazing feeling of camaraderie and coming yeah. together. And, mm-hmm. and you created that, Josh, tell us a bit about how, where that idea came from and, and why it took off and why it was so well received. Yeah. Um, so like after several years of doing social bite and we'd expanded the, the cafes and, uh, we were distributing lots of free food by this stage to homeless people and offering quite a lot of jobs. Uh, we had decided to try and get involved in the accommodation issue, you know, and, and try and go beyond jobs and, and food and see if we could d- 
develop different models around providing roofs over people's heads really to try and make a more uh, significant impact in the issue. So we'd come up with this plan to try and do the Social Bite Village project and approached Edinburgh Council and asked them if they had any vacant land and um, we had a plan to try and build accommodation and, and start to house, house people. So to do that, we felt, okay, we're gonna to need to try and raise some significant funding to make this happen. And I had been running this business dinner for the several years called the Scottish Business Awards, um, where I had, I had developed a really good network of people in the business world and chief executives of different companies and different entrepreneurs and so on. So I decided to put on this event in 2016, December 2016, called the CEO Sleepout, where I wrote off to all of these top business people and invited them to come and sleep out. Normally I was inviting them to this fancy dinner with celebrity speakers and so on. So I thought it would you know, be interesting to see if we could turn that on his head and get them to sleep out on a cold Scottish winter's night. So that was back in December 2016. And we had 275 business leaders. So it was a very small event. It was in Charlotte Square. We got Nicola Sturgeon to come in give out bacon rolls in the morning to people and so on. And we had 275 people and we told them all we had this plan to build this village and asked them to raise money to sleep out. And because, because they were from like a kind of senior position in the business world, they had quite like affluent friendship groups and, and networks. And those 275 people ended up raising over half a million pounds. Um, so it was an amazing kind of fundraising success. And it really, that got us on our way to mobilizing the village project and starting to make that happen. And then I started to think about, um, you know, this, this fundraising idea of having people sleep out. And what if we took that from a very small business orientated thing to more, much more mass participation. Um, and in doing so, you know, not just try and raise lots of money, but also try and make a big noise a big political statement about the issue uh, really focus this the national spotlight on the issue really um, and try and elevate the conversation about it and try and promote this idea that scotland could ultimately ultimately be a country where we could end homeless homelessness and why should we be a country where that couldn't create a, a society where no one should have to be homeless so but it, it evolved into this event called sleep in the park where we took on princess street gardens and we started to just write off to everyone under the sun that we could think of uh, to invite them to come and sleep out. So we went back to the business community and they said, this time bring all your staff. And then we went to the high schools and the universities and the churches and the mosques. And yeah, ended up with 8,000 people um, on this night, which as fate would have it turned out to be the coldest night of the whole year um, where temperatures dropped to, to minus six. Um, and yeah, those people collectively raised um, around four million pounds. Um, and that kind of, again, put us in a position where we could develop some really ambitious projects and programs. We managed to complete the Social Bite Village project and launch other big um, housing initiatives uh, and hopefully move the political dial a bit on this issue. Uh, yeah, so kind of, uh, as with everything we've done really, it started with a small seed and uh, grew arms and legs. I love it. And it seems to me that you're just not afraid to ask. Josh, you know, you, you talk about your network of business lead, 275 business leaders um, and, and, you know, just asking and, and seeing what that response is. And I think it's something that I've really learned over the years is that, you know, it's amazing what people will do to support a mm. cause that they believe in and, and 
um, someone like you who who delivers against that. Um, so uh, you know, we can't we can't go through this interview without talking about all the famous people that you, you got involved. Was that a question of just asking? Well, to an extent, like we, as I say before, social bad set up this event events company. One of the events that we had was called the Scottish Business Awards, um, and yeah. We, I started to organize these big business dinners at the EICC. So that first happened, it predated Social Bite. So the first one took place in February 2012. And, yeah, I just created this event from scratch, basically. So came up with all these different awards categories, whether it was like Entrepreneur of the Year or Green Business of the Year or Employer of the Year. And I put together a judging panel and wrote off to lots of companies, encouraging them to participate and put themselves forward for awards and nominate them for awards and so on. Um, and the first year, we had 800 people confirmed to come to that dinner. Um, and they were all like buying a table for like £2,000. So we had a bit of a decent budget that we could try and book a speaker um, and a comedian and so on. So we ended up uh, booking Bob Geldof to come and speak at this dinner in 2012 and it was a big success lots of people emailed me and said well done good great night and so on so we get to 2013 and social bite had just launched in august 2012 so we're like running this sandwich shop basically and employing these guys from homeless backgrounds and then i thought i'm you know i should really try and put on this scottish business awards dinner again i think we've got a good event there and we could start to use it as a as a fundraising mechanism to try and open more social bites and kind of advance the cause. So um, I started to think about potential keynote speakers we could invite to that. And for some reason, I decided to approach Bill Clinton um, and got in touch with his office via the Clinton Foundation website um, and invited him to be the speaker. And because we knew we were able to sell tables at this dinner, we were able to pledge a donation to the Clinton Foundation for him to come. So somewhat miraculously, we managed to get Bill Clinton. Um, and yeah, we had a, the, the dinner then grew and it was like 1600 people. And then, so we're on a bit of a track then of inviting really high profile people to come and speak at this dinner. So the following year after that, we had Richard Branson. And then we were thinking about speakers and we always tried to get a speaker who was affiliated with a particular charity. Um, so we were looking at speakers who had a, charity affiliation and um, we were suggested why don't you ask George Clooney um, so uh, yeah we wrote off to George Clooney by this point we could kind of name drop and say we've had Bill Clinton and so on and so forth yeah. um, and we can make a big donation to your charity which would be interested in coming so they came back positively and we started engaging in dialogue with the, his charity basically and yeah, once we started to develop that conversation, we started to say, well, we also have this little cafe, social enterprise thing called Social Bite. Do you think if he was to come, would he be interested in popping into the cafe for 10 minutes? So they, they ended up saying yes to that. So, yeah, it was so it wasn't a case of just purely spective, just asked, but, you know, it, it wasn't a million miles from that. And then obviously when he did come, the whole, felt like the whole city kind of ground to a screeching halt. <laughs> And yeah, suddenly like our little charity got a, a big profile and that's been of amazing value to us to, to, to capitalise on that and develop these more ambitious fundraising plans and, and ambitious projects. 
Yeah, it's brilliant. And and you had Leonardo DiCaprio the following year, did you? And then yeah, exactly. So then you know it was just a case of again he's got his own foundation called the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. So we wrote to them and said, um, you know, we've had George Clooney, Bill Clinton. You know, you could join this club uh, of big big speakers. So again, they. Uh, it, looking back it's really surreal that it all happened that it all happened you know in in such succession um but yeah at the time we were kind of just rolling rolling with it and um yeah it was totally amazing experiences and things i'll definitely remember for, for um the rest of my life i'm sure and Brilliant. uh and it's just it just as you say it just really you know of course it's it's newsworthy and everyone loves it and you know mm. they're celebrities we all know and that's great but absolutely the, the key was around elevating social bite and um and that reach i suppose that awareness definitely 100 percent. you know and i think would we have as a charity been able to do sleep in the park and have eight thousand people raising four million pounds or would we have been able to build the village or develop you know, some of these other big major kind of nationwide housing programs, if it wasn't for those celebrity visits, I don't think we would have because, you know, people wouldn't have heard of us or, or known about what we're doing. And we wouldn't have had that uh, momentum and that profile to develop these things. So, yeah, I think it's it's amazing um, if, if for what that kind of thing can do for a small charity. And it certainly made a, a very big difference to us and uh, hopefully to, to a lot of the people that we've gone on to help. And so, Josh, you've met some of the biggest stars. You've raised millions of pounds for for charity. And of course, you've been awarded an an MBE. Out of these achievements or any other, which ones do you think your family and friends are most proud of? Um, I don't know. My mum had my mum loved the MBE. Um, Yeah, I think she she was on cloud nine with that one. Um, Yeah, I was a bit unsure really whether to you know to accept it or whatever because obviously like when you're working with homeless people they're very they couldn't be more disenfranchised really from the system and the establishment and stuff so I did sort of say to my mum you know I'm not sure and she goes don't be so stupid of course (laughs) you're gonna accept it so um yeah I don't know like the when we did the world's big sleep out um campaign and we kind of took it to, to different cities internationally and partner with different charities all over the world to make that happen. Um, we had an event in Times Square in New York, uh, people sleeping out and all of my family came and slept out in the middle of Times Square. So that was a pretty special kind of, again, surreal moment. Um, but yeah, no, they've been totally supportive of me because it's like, it's been an amazing kind of journey, but it's come, it's been very like, stressful at times and also very like all consuming yeah um, so at times they've kind of probably lost me as a you know a good son and my friends have probably lost me as a good friend and stuff because I've just been totally immersed in a lot of this stuff so you know mm. it, I feel very well supported um to have been able to put so much focus and energy energy into it all and you know Josh you see you always strike me as a really humble person um you know you, you talk about um the, you know, the purpose of social bite, I suppose. How how would you describe the purpose of social bite? And does that align with your personal purpose? Or, you know, does one come before the other? Are they both aligned? Where does it come from? Um, I, like, I suppose personally, since I, w- I 
was a teenager, like it was always kind of my ambition to change the world in some way or make a difference. That was always what was kind of drove me when I was younger. Um, and then I went to uni and studied politics and economics. And that, that's always been kind of my ambition is to make a difference in the world in some way. Um, so I think with Social Bite, once Pete came in and asked us for that job and we started to get involved in this path, that for me was just something I could just grip onto and think, you know, this is it for me now. Like I've, I've managed to find a purpose that I'm really passionate about. And um, so, yeah, I think it, that's for me, like for any person in life or young person thinking about what they want to do, if you can manage to align who you identify yourself as being and what you're passionate about with what you do day to day for a living, then it's something that's very powerful because it's no longer a job to you. You no longer think, oh God, it's a Monday or, you know, thank God it's Friday because you're just kind of living very much aligned with what you're passionate about. So I think, um, yeah, myself and, and Social Bites Purpose are very much intertwined, uh, which I think has been one of the big, big drive drivers of it. Yeah. And Josh, you talked about businesses coming on board and the value of that for you. Obviously, you know, we speak to lots of business leaders and we try to connect, you know, causes like yours with employees who use their skills for good. But, you know, talk to me a bit about businesses you've approached, what you look for, what's what's the most valuable to you when, when you're working with a business? What type of business? Are they the ones that have a clear purpose above profit or is it just any business who will support you? Do you have a particular type of business, I suppose? I think it's less of a type of business. I think it's more comes down to the people um, and, you know, them kind of sharing a, a passion for, for, for what we're doing. And again, you know, I have consistently been bowled over really by the support from the business community um, and, the sort of energy that people have put into the different things we've been doing. Um, you know, for example, when we did the village project, we, again, we were completely naive to, to, to how that was going to work. You know, obviously historically we'd only ever really run this little sandwich shop. So what did we know about trying to, you know, build a, this infrastructure project and put these houses into production and so on and so forth. Um, and, we ended up meeting this lady called Jill Henry, who was seconded to us from a big house builder called Cruden Homes. And she became sort of our project manager for the village project. And again, she quickly cottoned on to just how naive we were uh, to do this. And she said, look, Josh, you're really going to need engineers here to help. You're going to need architects. You're going to need, you know, this speciality that, you know, and there was about 10 different fields of expertise that we realistically needed um, so she started to ask one or two people that she knew, you know, architects and engineers, and they said, okay, we'll come and give some time. And then they asked some people they knew. And before we knew it, we had about 10 people, of, you know, from across the construction industry around the table. Uh, and then when we started to get into the process of actually building the houses, we were trying to keep our costs as low as we could. Um, so I, I knew a guy called Tony Hackney, who, who ran a big timber company. So I said, look, we're putting these houses in production. They're made of timber. Do you think you could donate the timber that we need and we'll give you the quantity? So he said, yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll give you the timber. And then he said, 
you know, do you need windows? I know a guy that with a window company. He said, yeah, we do. And then he said, you don't need roofs, do you? Because I know a guy with a roofing company. So <laughs> it was like this little snowball that grew and grew and grew. And yeah. we gave a little wooden plaque to everyone that supported in the village. And this wall's like covered in these wooden plaques because all of these different companies uh, kind of were able to rally, rally around it. You know, and that experience has been really consistent year on year regardless of the project or the fundraising event uh, you know you're always taking a bit of a risk and a leap of faith and I've always been uh, blown away by people from across society including the business community kind of getting behind it. Brilliant and you know we I suppose in the social social bite village it's not just about housing though is it you you, you go above and beyond you offer cooking classes and, and yoga, what, why is it important to provide those things? Well, I think like, I suppose one of the things that we've learned, um, you know, along this way is that, you know, it's a bit of a jigsaw of different responses required to try and tackle the homelessness issue. Um, and you can, you can never be one dimensional with it. So it won't solve the problem just to provide the housing. Typically, if a person you know, maybe has different, has maybe experienced trauma in their childhood, maybe has had addiction issues, mental health challenges, maybe just like practical things like they don't have a bank account or they've never cooked for themselves or they've never had a job before or they've never managed their money before. Then just trying to tick one box isn't enough. You need to try and have, have a more holistic viewpoint. So I suppose the village is around trying to do that in this one project is trying to give someone a beautiful home to live in, um, but also provide them on site with the support they might need, help them to foster different relationships and friendships and a sense of community and help them build skills and link into jobs and so on and so forth, you know, to, to really give this full uh, range of, of support. Um, and, you know, and I think that's consistent across the different interventions that we do. So take the employability stuff, again one of the things we learned is it's not really enough just to give someone a job um that'll work for a while maybe but then you know the certain issues that they may have start to come into play and you realize they actually need some support alongside the job and that again it might be uh, counseling and therapy or an addiction support or it might be practical things like getting a bank account open or uh, you know any other kind of practical areas they may need so yeah I think like offering people support employment uh, and a housing it's important to try and think about the, the full range of things yeah the full need. picture absolutely and, do you know Josh I was just thinking there about this wall you talk about this wall mm -hmm. of plaques that you mm -hmm. have with all these businesses on it do, do you think it's important that that businesses do things to support their community and they that they've got a purpose that's more than just profit yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's it's really, really important, you know, and I think typically, typically you're pushing against an open door, really, in my, you know, in my experience, when you try and encourage people to do that, because again, I think, you know, I, I, I think like sleep, sleep in the park, um, as you say, the one you did, it was this amazing sense of camaraderie. And I think what was really special about that is that because everyone was in their winter gear and wrapped up warm and were in their sleeping bags lying literally side by side like sardines, um, you didn't really know who was just someone from the local high school or a university student or a business leader 
Um, you know, and we had chief execs of some of the big banks and, uh, you know, other big kind of corporate people all participate in that. And I think what was special about that event is that it just provided this sense of community. And I think we can be a bit quick in society to kind of categorize people and almost presuppose motivations. And I think with the business community, you know, it's easy to kind of say, oh, they just care about profit and so on and so forth. But ultimately it's just made up, those businesses are just made up of people the same as any of us. And we all share similar motivations and desires and everybody ultimately wants to make a difference and to, um, to, to do things that matter alongside trying to make profit and make money and provide for our families and so on and so forth. So I think, yeah, it, it's certainly, um, in my experience, always been pushing against an open door when asking businesses to, to get involved. Yeah, and that's that's a really great point, Josh. It's you know it's all about people, isn't it? We're all people, regardless mm -hmm. of which organisation we work for. And if if you combine those people who want to do good in in the right culture, then mm -hmm. then you've got a wonderful combination, really. Yeah. Um, what I didn't account for, though, Josh, was people snoring beside me. I have to say that was a, that was a new revelation for me is the noise level. I've only yeah. got my husband normally, but uh -huh. <laughs> 10, 10 colleagues snoring around you was yeah, an interesting one. Totally. Don't well, put I'm that normally... in your marketing strategy. No, for sure. Definitely. Well, I'm, norm I'm a bad snorer myself, so it might have been me or over here. <laughs> um, and Josh, let's just um, talk about people because that's that's the piece that you said are, are so important tell me about your staff your people what sort of culture you you create and you mm -hmm. and you drive in social bite yeah I'm I'm so lucky um at the moment to have such a such a fantastic team of people around me many of whom have worked for social bite for you know many years now uh, who are just you know I really really trust and are they're just all equally passionate and vocational about the work that we do um so yeah we've kind of got a really ambitious strategy over the next three years that we want to try and deliver on and i think that's only going to be possible because of this team that's that's been created and is super motivated and and so on and so forth so um yeah i think it's like fundamental that you whenever you're trying to do anything in business or in charity or whatever it is like all you can really do is share the vision and uh, what you want to try and achieve but unless people kind of rally behind that you know in terms of your team and take that on as their own mission then you're not going to get very far so yeah I definitely feel that Social Bite are very blessed uh, to, to have such a strong team of people um, and also a big network of volunteers um, you know across what we do whether it's giving out the free food from the cafes or some of the different events and campaigns we do, you know, we're all, we have, always have a long queue of volunteers uh, wanting to get involved. And again, without that kind of support, we, we wouldn't get very far. So definitely extremely lucky from that perspective. Brilliant. And what's next for, what's next for you? What's next for Social Bite? Um, as for, I mean, for Social Bite, um, we want to start to try and take some of our work out with Scotland now. Um, so, we, we want to take the cafe model and the eatery model and uh, take that to uh, England. We want to try and open up a cafe maybe in London. We've got maybe opportunities in other uh, cities and countries um, to, to sort of take the model and establish partnerships for people to uh, set something up in their kind of geographies. And we want to try and replicate the village project. So we're working in discussions with different councils, uh, with Glasgow Council, but also um, with 
some of the London boroughs and one of the councils right in the south coast of England about maybe trying to um, replicate the village project and identify some land to build two more villages as our plan. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I think the next phase for us is to try and take some of the work uh, and, and begin to develop it and replicate it out with Scotland and in doing so hopefully grow our fundraising capacity um, and build a sort of supporter network out with Scotland as well. Um, so I'd say that's the next big phase for social bank. In terms of me personally, um, I'm hopefully COVID dependent, I'm getting married in October. So uh, that's going to be uh, a good thing for the next few months, definitely. That's amazing, Josh. And, you know, I think it's just so interesting. I love, I've loved following your story and I'm sure people that are, that are listening um, would you know just there's so many things that resonate you know if there are people listening how can they help what can they do where, where can they find out more about how to get involved and support uh, your 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 vision and your purpose um yeah i mean obviously you can visit our, our website um social bite the big thing that we've got at the moment for anyone that wants to do it is a big campaign called break the cycle and um, which is all focused on us building these two new village projects um, and it's a big fundraising campaign, which is being led by Sir Chris Hoy. Um, so there's a physical event, which is uh, going to be a 60 mile bike ride. Uh, and that's starting at the Sir Chris Hoy Velodrome in Glasgow. And then it's 60 miles across the central belt and finishing just close by to the social bike village project in Edinburgh. And um, so we're looking for a thousand cyclists to come and take part in that. And we're encouraging them to try and raise a thousand pounds each. Um, to, with, with a target of a million pounds and as well as the physical event we're encouraging lots of people to get involved in more of a virtual event um, and that could be going on a bike ride that's a challenge for you or it could be doing a 60 minute jog every day for a week or whatever it is that's a physical challenge to you so um, yeah that's kind of a big focus of ours which culminates in this event in early September this year um, and hopefully that's going to help us raise the funds that we need to to build these two new villages so I'd encourage everyone to get involved in that um, and yeah you know more more widely than than social bite um, you know I think coming out of this pandemic homelessness is going to be a big big challenge for society and um, we, we've made big inroads in the rough sleeping numbers but there's more people currently living in homelessness tempor temporary accommodation because of the pandemic than at any time on record so I think it's going to be a big issue so I'd encourage people wherever they are in their local areas to, to try start looking into the issue and how they might get involved with local charities and, and yeah, all kind of come together to, to try and make sure that we address it. Amazing. Thanks, Josh. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and, and uh, thanks for everything that you've, you've done and continue to do uh, to, to support this uh, social issue. Thank you, Caroline. And thanks for everything you're doing and your support of us and uh, with Social Good Connect and yeah it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing and um, wish you all the, all the luck in the world with it as well Brilliant, thanks and congrats on the wedding hopefully you can get more than two people there Yeah, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> Great, thanks Josh Yeah, okay, thank you